Okie dokie. Welcome back to another episode of the Table Topics Podcast. My name is Caleb, and joining me, as always, are... Edis. Chris. Santiago. We're sitting in a different order, so there's a bit of delay there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about Lancer, a super fun system. Oh, all of us have been enjoying it very much, part of a big campaign that's ongoing, and... uh, yeah, why don't we get right into it? What is Lancer, Santi? Lancer is what has been def- defined as a blood or mud and lasers setting and system, uh, which is kind of like a more futuristic hack and slash RPG setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, the original setting for Lancer is supposed to be very gritty. It's supposed to be very. Uh, on the ground, personable, uh, hand to hand combat, but in mechs, because Lancer yeah. is ultimately about mech pilots doing mech things in mechs. Yeah, I think that's the main tagline is it's a big mech warrior style based mm-hmm. uh, tabletop role playing game. I will say a lot of the vibes remind me of early Gundam and Gundam Wing like lore and settings where it's like, you know, it's. Uh, galactic empires, you know, wars, mercenaries hired, mm-hmm. that, that kind of yeah. feel. And again, because it's a mech thing, that's part of the reason why it reminds me of like uh, early Gundam Wing stories. Definitely. It's got those high, you know, that high fantasy meshed with the futuristic, kind of like a yeah. Star Wars style setting, yeah. but, you know, more like future uh, apocalypse a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, it is very high-tech. It is also low-tech in the sense of every mech is piloted by a person. Yeah. In a lot of, like, traditional, very high-tech settings, you would have, uh, you know, AIs. And while those does do exist in the setting, it is that, like, gritty, we're at war and we're going to go uh, fight the other guy. It reminds me also a little bit of Warhammer, mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. A more grounded Warhammer instead of the fantasy of it. Also, less yeah. grimdark. Yeah, less grimdark. Yeah. yeah, less magic, no psionics, but mm-hmm. it's it's all science. But it, there's also this like this feeling of like everything feels jury rigged. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. well, that that's part of the whole because when Lancer was initially pitched and and started up and like developed. Uh, the main tagline or the main portion of it being described is that it's a mud and lasers setting, yeah. or mud and laser system. Uh, lasers being, you know, that high-tech mech aspect and the mud part being more gritty, more jury-rigged. It's yeah. the pilots aren't, in, in the standard setting of Lancer, the pilots are like regular people that have built these machines themselves mm-hmm. and they maintain them themselves and they find pieces and they add it to their mechs. And it's all very, it feels very like um, someone who spends a lot of time working on this old fashioned like custom car from the yeah. 60s. And so they're like, oh, look at this. I just found this cool piece that, you know, I replaced the engine valve and now it works really well. That's kind of like the feeling of the mechs in the system. And then I added a giant laser gun to <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> it's really cool because you can definitely see that in the different designs of the different mechs. Like yeah. you can go from, yeah, this looks like it could run on oil <laughs> yeah. versus something that's super clean and like polished. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is like super cutting edge in terms of technology for whatever age you're in. And then there's also, you know, the crazy Horus, like alien stuff as well. That mm-hmm. kind of blends that. It gives me the vibes of a lot of like what magic is in a lot of systems, that kind of like other element, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things interesting about the system. So he just mentioned Horus in the main, uh, in the standard in the core system, yes. Yeah. Sta- yeah. Standard setting uh, with the core system, uh, there are four manufacturers for these mechs. You know, they it's five, right? Uh, there's oh, oh, yeah, there's five. There's technically GMC, five. Yeah, technically yeah. five. But. 
Yeah, there's technically five. Uh, but yeah, what the manufacturers are is they they're effect they're effectively like car manufacturers. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. you got your Toyotas and your Hondas, and, and then st- you have your different models of yeah. mechs within them. Yeah, yeah. and, and they all kind of fit a different aesthetic and a, mm. a different purpose of like what roles they fulfill yeah. typically. Yeah. yeah, and and every manufacturer <clears throat> actually fits into the framework of the Lancer system itself. Uh, the mechs have four primary stats, which is hull, um, agility, was it's it? It's H-A-S-E, so yeah. hull, hull, agility, agility systems, systems, and, and engineering. engineering. And each one of the four main manufacturers exemplifies the best of one of those four. Mm-hmm. So hull, I believe, is IPSN. Agility is Smith Shimano. Uh, systems is Horus. And engineering is Harrison Armory. Okay. Yeah. I didn't Harrison know that. Harrison Armory for life. <laughs> I'm a big IPSN stan. Yeah, I'm a big Smith Shimano. Yeah, good. So we, we've got a... And we, we, we all... Have a whole range. And, and we all, and we all aesthetically of, of the Horus. Yeah. So the Horus... This is a bit of an aside. I love it because it's just weird. They got it's wacky like, It's just designs. It's like they're like... Why stick to anything traditional? A lot of the other mechs look like, you know, either like a, an animal, you know, it's like a four-legged thing, or it looks like a person, like a two-legged person. And, and uh, Horace is like, why not six arms and no heads? Yeah. <laughs> we're the thing that crawls out of the ground that's never seen light before. Yeah. That's what we're modeling ourselves. Yeah, it's it's very fun. So, aesthetically... They they t- they take yeah. the cake. So the mechs themselves, if you want to, mm-hmm. I guess, compare it to a sort of standard like D and D style um, tabletop. I think the like mechs and models kind of. I think they're analogous to like the race and the different bonuses that those kind of have. Obviously, maybe they're a little bit like different a, because they also include maybe the classes. I, uh, the, the way I would describe mm-hmm. it, and, and and I didn't make this connection until you started saying it, yeah, you know but what? it makes... the manufacturer is more like Yes. That. Yeah. The, the, the reason... So, the, the connection yeah. I make is that there's actually a, a similarity mm-hmm. with Lancer and another system called Eclipse Phase. And in Eclipse Phase, you can modify your body... But you can, you're not your body, you're, you're, you're your mind, your mm-hmm. ego, and you can switch bodies at will. And in Lancer, you, you can modify your mech, and you can have a mech that you really, really like, but you're not tied to that mech permanently. Yeah. You could say, you could say, I want this piece of this mech and this piece of this mech, and you kind of like mush them together. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I feel like compared yeah, to everything. Yeah, I think everything... that's a bad analogy yeah. that I've made. Yeah, no, compared to everything we've t- talked about yeah. in the podcast so far, Lancer is very unique. I, and even outside so. of what we talked about, I feel like Lancer is generally unique in the abilities you get and the progression style. Mm-hmm. Because even if you were to say, oh, this mech license is a class that's only three levels in that class. Uh, class mm-hmm. typically pilots go from level zero to level twelve, mm-hmm. yeah. and so you're gonna have to be at least multi-classed in four different classes by the time you hit max level. Yeah, if you think of it that way, if not even more multi-classed. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's probably one of my favorite things about Lancer in, as a system is that it was designed from the ground up to be one where. In a sense, everything is equally valid and equally viable. Mm-hmm. I think it's very modular. Yeah. It's yes. very plug-and-play. It's yeah, super very modu- modular. Mm-hmm. And for a level 12 character, the things that you're playing with at the beginning of the game, there's never a point where they're eclipsed or where they stop being relevant. And a lot of games have a problem with... Power uh, creep? With power creep of, hey... You know, the general systems that you start the game with by the end of the game, oh, they're bad. They're not useful. But I just went on a mission, and those rookies were destroying things with some yeah. general systems. And I was like, oh, these are just as effective as any of the things that I'm buying with my money. What I'm buying is flexibility and options and 
like new toys to play with, yeah, mm-hmm. but not necessarily more powerful things to play with. Yeah, and yeah. the the way to power up is to kind of min max a little bit and combine things that work together a lot. Yeah, but synerg- if yeah, exactly, synergize. But even if you don't want to do that, like the things that you get every uh, three levels, you get a core system, core, core, core bonus, a core bonus. Sorry, and that is it's the same. Like you don't. Like, you all have the options to choose from a core bonus. There's no, like, you know, higher level core bonuses, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. just another taking of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all the options are equally as powerful as the others. Mm-hmm. If you want to make a character powerful, if you want to, like, you know, be strong, you know, power creep beyond what mm-hmm. you started with, it's you're just going to have to find good combinations of your choices. Yeah. Uh, the choices you get is uh, the major ones are... That your talents and your mech licenses, the mech licenses give you access to parts from that mech, uh, systems or weapons mm-hmm. from that mech, as well as every mech license when you get the second level gives you access to that mech, yeah. like the chassis uh, of the car. Chassis, yeah. Chassis? Yeah. English isn't my first That's language. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's like the chassis of the car. Uh, and then like you get different parts for the other levels. And so... The licenses go from, you know, they go one, two, three, and that's it. Yeah, so one, two, three, if you get two in a license, then you get the mech. Yeah, you get the mech and as well as each, each of them. Le- each level has systems or yeah. weapons associated yeah. with it. Yeah. So a lot of the time you'll see somebody with either two licenses in uh, one mech and then maybe a few in another just to get the systems from that yeah. to put it on that mech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, very modular, very plug and play. Yeah. I like I like the fact, and this is related to that whole avoiding power creep, and that all these systems remain relevant, and that you can synergize, but you, sometimes synergies don't happen. Is that it is it is you have to intentionally try to make a bad character. Yeah. You have to intentionally try to make a mech that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the day, most like if you put whatever on a mech, it will work well enough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the power increments are, they're not small enough that you don't notice them, but they're not big enough that if you have a level 12 in the same mission as a level 6, it's not like the level 6 isn't doing anything. It's like, oh yeah, maybe the level 12 is doing a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. The level 12 can definitely take a punch better. Yeah, than exactly. Level six. Yeah. Uh, the uh, other big thing to choose is something called talents, which, unlike your mech, is something related to the pilot. To, that's to your character. It's, you know, your character has certain training or certain knowledge in certain ways that give them a mechanical be- benefit. And those synergize as well with the parts and the. Uh, and the mechs and the, yeah, the uh, licenses, weapons yeah. and the licenses and so like yeah it's a choosing game and yeah everything is giving you like every system does something so whatever system you put on there your mech will do something yeah and some some of them are a lot more clear cut what works together yeah. like for example like some mechs accumulate heat really easily mm-hmm. and there's a specific talent nuclear cavalier that utilizes heat. Yeah. Or uh, gives you bonuses. Yeah, it gives you bonuses on once high you heat. accumulate enough heat. Yeah. Some mechs have a very large sensor range, mm-hmm. and so they're good for tech attacks. And some mechs have like nothing for sensor range, and you should probably not be a tech attack person if you're in that mech. Exactly. There are things that don't synergize at all that actively work against each other. Mm-hmm. And that that would be intentionally building a bad mech. But yeah. for the most part, mm-hmm. I think just kind of build what you want and you'll have a good time. Yeah. Like you're not going to, you're not really going to build a bad mech. It'll be obvious if you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also worth noting that when you're building a mech in Lancer, you're going to be bad at things. There is no way to really make a mech that is going to be great at everything. Yeah. You can make pretty versatile mechs. You can make things that have a lot of options, but I found the way to make the most powerful characters and the most fun characters to play is by making something that's really, really, really good at one thing. And for me, I like my big damage numbers. I have tried to make a character that just does, he sits in one spot and he will blow up all of the enemies from as far a range as possible. I am very weak to if someone gets close and tries to stab me. I don't have a lot of answers for that. 
I don't need answers for that because I just, you know, play with people that can support the weaknesses of my mech. And it encourages play between groups and synergizing within teams in that way by saying, okay, you're weak in this way. How can your teammates make up for these weaknesses? And I think that's really cool. I think the other aspect to that, and it's another thing I like in Lancer, is that you can set what mech you're taking and what parts are Mm -hmm. equipped to that mech between each mission. So, like, you know, you always, like, when you have major downtime uh, in in the normal, like, core system uh, or... Standard setting. Yeah, in the Mm -hmm. standard uh, setting, uh, you can swap to a different mech with different parts. And so you can be like, okay, I know I'm going into a situation in which I won't be able to stand still in one spot. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I don't take that big tanky mech and maybe I take something a little bit more nimble. How or, dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or maybe you, you're you like, okay, I know I'm going to have a bunch of people in my team that are going to be able to take care of people melee people so I can take this big uh, dirtily thing. And mm-hmm. Another thing that, uh, just to piggyback off that, mm-hmm. another thing is, like an aspect of it is choosing the mission and like building the mission to fit around what you guys are bringing as your mech pilots, right? Yeah. Like planning the mission so that you will have enough like vision to see them coming. You'll have enough distance so that yeah. you can you know, use your big mech. Yeah. We've been focusing primarily on the mech side of this mech RPG, mm-hmm. which for the most part is, I would argue, the funnest part, the most engaging part. The biggest it's draw. The biggest draw. It's very war gaming in the way that it's actually run. Uh, and we'll get into that a bit later in terms of like how that interacts with the rest of the systems as well. But there's another aspect to Lancer, and that's the pilot side. That's the narrative side. That's what happens when you're not actively in mech combat mm-hmm. um and up until a recent supplement for the system the narrative aspect felt a bit lacking lacking yeah it was weak and it, wow. it again it Oof. was as you've said previously very far removed from the mech combat it is very clear cut from pilot to mech combat mm-hmm. in a mission. I, I feel like even now with the new supplement, it's still that. It's, it's still it's clear like, cut. No, it still but is But it's more that, fleshed but, out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, it's it's interesting to play a system like that where it's like the narrative part is very clearly separated from the combat part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting as well. This doesn't make it any less fun to play. But when you're in that combat part, there's not a lot of ways to be creative with narrative or use na- narrative tool to be creative with combat. Yeah. It, you know, it, there's not a lot of it's like... It's very crunchy. Yeah, it, there's not a lot of it's like, well, I lied to him before. Can I trick him into like getting a big enough an, uh, yeah. like an advantage uh, in this attack? No, it's in the combat part, the only advantages and disadvantages you get are those that... Am- like a system or a talent would give you. And that's generally yeah. true. Uh, there is an example from a recent mission that I ran. Uh, be- I've been running this huge campaign yeah. for a lot of people. He's been running Lancer. like a West Marches style campaign. Yeah. So. And there was a recent mission that Chris was the commanding officer of the squad of where they were in the middle of combat, but uh, basically the combat stopped for narrative purposes and then, even though it's still technically combat, one of the players used a narrative ability. And that kind of... Like, the the combination of narrative elements stopped the combat. So there is still that kind of, like, delineation between narrative and combat. But it's not so clear-cut that you can't Re-enter. transition from one to the other fairly easily. Yeah. It's just that... There is that transition, as opposed to other systems where you can have narrative and 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 creative control in the combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one has more of like there is combat and there is narrative, and sometimes they can occupy the same space, but they are very different. Different, yeah. Like you can treated separately. Yeah, you can yeah. sometimes easily transition from one to the other, but you still have to transition from one to the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a draw, but also a positive, because it allows for a very 
clear, crunchy system that's very succinct. I like it because the combat itself, it there's not a lot of, eh, I don't really know what I can do here. Like, you have your abilities, you and you have your action economy that's very, I feel, is very clear-cut. I don't know if mm-hmm. everybody agrees with me, but... Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I really like that. It is a very fun difference in game style that I'm used to. It is. It does feel more like I'm playing like video game or something, mm-hmm. like it's, crunching the numbers and all that. I like it. It's as Santi said. It's very war gamey once you're in combat. It's yeah. like playing, uh, you know, uh, Warhammer. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like the pieces are set. You know, the abilities are set, and it's just like about calculating, you know, where to go to get the best advantage and how to use the tools that you have to your best advantage. It's very but... turn-based tactics. It's like yeah. XCOM. It's like XCOM. Honestly, yes, yeah. yes. Very much so. And I love XCOM. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, what As to what Santi was saying earlier is the narrative aspects with the pilots, you know, it's generally assumed to be, like, it can involve mechs. Or it could not, depending on the kind of scene you're going. Uh, so that can have some flexibility. The core system does not have that very fleshed out. I feel like the only mechanic that serves the narrative purposes is skill triggers. And, and yes. pilot equipment. And pilot equipment, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the core game. Uh, so skill triggers are how you might think of in another game, just skills. Mm-hmm. You can have a plus two, a plus four, or a plus six. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was saying this, I realized... Uh, we didn't mention the dice, and that's because the dice in this game are very simple. You're rolling a d20 every time to to try and do a thing. Uh, you can have a uh, static modifiers to it, and then there's also difficulty and accuracy. Yeah. So static modifiers are, you know, like skill triggers will give you a plus two. Or based to- on your level, you get something called grit, yeah. which is just a static bonus that you're adding. Yeah. So, you know, that's a a plus, a fixed number, uh, and then accuracy and difficulty is like more like a situational thing, like you're trying to do something extra challenging, have one dice of difficulty, a dice of difficulty is, or accuracy is a d6, mm. and if it's difficulty, you subtract the result, if it's accuracy, you add the result, if you have more than one difficulty, you roll that many dice and pick the, the lowest of the two, yeah. or accuracy, you know, pick that. Sorry, you always pick the highest the dice and oh, either sorry, subtract yeah. that or... You're subtracting, so, yeah, lower. Yeah. yeah. So if yeah. you have five accuracy and three difficulty, you Roll. cancel things out and then you're just rolling two accuracy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so two dice, take the highest, add it to your d20. It's mainly d20 and yeah. d6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then those same dice are also used for the combat. Uh, purposes because in the combat uh, aspects uh, you always use the d20 to try and succeed on an attack uh, depending on your weapon and your systems and your grid and what have you you're gonna have uh, some static modifiers some accuracy or difficulty and then the damage is always either a num- predetermined number like some weapons just say four damage and it's just four damage or it'll be you roll a d6 at like some number of d6 Plus a modifier, Yeah, plus maybe. a modifier, like 1d6 plus 2. Yeah. Or you roll a d3, which is just like half of a d6. You just roll a d6. Up. And divide by divide half, by round two. up. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's dice-wise, it's very simple. It's d20s and a couple d6s, uh, which, like, easy to come by, easy to figure out. You roll it. Yeah, if you, you play do D&D that. or most other <laughs> d20-based games... You're golden, because yeah. D6 are everywhere. Yeah. So what I was saying about a skill triggers, it's either a plus two, a plus four, or a plus six, depending on what level mm-hmm. uh, you're you're at, uh, with just these skills. And that's things your pilot can do in a narrative sense. Uh, like, uh, a skill trigger is, an example is word on the street, which is like your, uh, your pilot's ability to gather cos- gossip and rumors and figure out what's happening based on word on the street. Or fists to face, your ability to... Punch somebody in the face. Yeah, and, and these <laughs> these skill triggers are a bit more, I would argue, nuanced than skills like in D and D. In skills in D and D, like arcane or medicine or insider perception, yeah. you have kind of like a definitive use for them. And the DM says, or dungeon master says, 
uh, roll perception. And that can happen in Lancer too, but generally the the cycle for skill triggers in Lancer is a bit different. Um, and then the community in, in general handles it a bit differently because it basically comes down to different skill triggers can be used for the same thing given how a player might or a player character might want to interact with something. Mm-hmm. So the same character, like different characters applying to the same scenario might use different skills to accomplish the same thing. So a very technologically inclined character might use the skill uh, hack or fix to try to get a machine to work, whereas another more physical character might like try to do percussive maintenance and the the GM will be like, okay, uh, this feels like an apply fist to face. It's not the face of the machine, but you're punching yeah. it, yeah. right? So like these skills aren't as defined as... You know, medicine is medicine, arcane is arcane, history yeah. is history. Mm-hmm. It's more like the general methodology of a skill. It's very similar to Blades in the Dark in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think normally skills are very more broad like that, where it's like, okay, there's a lot of situations that might fit this skill, where it's kind of the opposite. Like, you have hacker fixed, you have, like, different ones that can fit a yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be fair, I think it is a weird-to-use system. I don't particularly like it because I found there's a lot of situations where it feels like spot can just be, this is our general perception check, and as just regular humans, we tend to create those shortcuts of, okay, this is the role for this situation, and... That's just how it is, and we just collectively kind of accept those boxes that we're putting the skills in. So I don't think we succeed very well at using the narrative side of it the way that it might be intended to be used. Mm. But I think that's because it's not a great system. Uh, you're, you're talking specifically about like pilot then, triggers. Yeah, about like pilot your, triggers. Yeah, yeah. Pilot yeah, but on the other hand, I also like that it's simple with success and failure. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like most situations, if you get a 10 plus, you succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if uh, if it's a difficult, uh, not difficult. If it's, it's risky, risky, then 10 is still success. But if you get lower than a 20, there's some sort of consequence. Yeah. Heroic is you need at least a 20 to succeed. And then you might still suffer a consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that it's like, it's simple, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not a complicated narrative system. Yeah. Um, a supplement that came out recently uh, has added uh, a bunch of stuff to the narrative aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does KTB stand for? Karakin Trade Baronies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has added a bond system, which I. Uh, I've heard that Chris is very high on. All right, I'm going to gush a little bit. <laughs> fleshes out the uh, narrative pilot aspect a little bit more. Yeah, so bonds are a... Uh, what they call them is playbooks, where when you are making your character, you choose one of a broad archetype. Um, and a few of the archetypes are Titan, which is, I'm a real big guy who's like physically large, strong, and is gonna like great at hurting things and can take a punch. Or the wolf, which is a, a more like somber, uh, scary character. If where it's like, if you meet them in a back alley, they will kill you. They will kill you. Yeah. You're not walking out alive. Or the pathfinder of, hey, I'm great at uh, finding my way around difficult situations and like physically getting to places and sneaking and hiding. And, like, knowing the right way forwards. Or the builder, who is great at, you know, creating solutions and empathizing with people and building not only, like, physical objects, but relationships. And all of them have cool abilities that help you, uh, like, actually achieve that goal. Um, My character, Bastion, for example, one of my favorite abilities that I found is whenever I enter a tense situation, I can ask the GM, who is really in charge here, and what is the biggest danger in this situation? And narratively, having abilities where 
it's like in any situation, I know that my character has that insight and that's just like a core part of their character is their ability to read danger in a situation. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool role playing opportunity and it makes you feel very powerful in narrative in a way that we really didn't get in the core system. I agree. I think it definitely helped. Yeah, I think it definitely helps you get into character a little bit more now that there is that bond system. I think previously, while you were on missions, Mm -hmm. it kind of just felt like a wait until you get to the mech combat part, and the rest of it wasn't as... It didn't feel as like it mattered as much. Um, Whereas with the bond system, it feels like I don't know. I feel like I'm a lot more in character. You have a lot more agency exactly. with what happens because at the minimum, there's a few things that you can guarantee that your character will do yeah. in the session. Uh, so you chose Titan, didn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> of course. I, I play the big guy. Yeah. I love the big guy. Yeah. You're a big guy, Stan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with both of you. Uh, I also like that one of the other major things that the bond system di- did is you can get more abilities out of your playbook by playing that character to fit your playbook better. Every bond has like triggers at the end of the session to be like, okay, which of these happened? And they get XP points. And when you have eight XP points, you get another ability from your bond playbook uh so i feel like it, it encourages it, it it it's like you said gives you a clear guideline for uh role-playing your character as well as like a clear uh mechanical tool and benefit reward system yeah. for the narrative aspect mm-hmm. that said i also think like it's a supplement for a reason it's a really good supplement yeah you could play like that without the bonds. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. me personally, playing in Santi's campaign, it did not change how I played at all. Okay. All, all it did was I have a mechanic I can use. It, it adds a mechanic to yeah. that. Yeah. But it also added, uh, you're missing, uh, you missed this point, it added also a punishment mechanic of stress. Yeah, true. Uh, for your character. And for me, it's like, on, like on, the, on the average, it didn't change how I play at all. Because it's right. like how I played is how I played and it just ended up that, that there's a that there's a playbook that fits my character. And so I feel like you can do the uh, narrative parts without these playbooks and they, they'd be great. It's just uh, these are great guidelines. And so it's like rather than being like, uh, I don't know what to do here or rather than the fact that there is a reward it also like incentivizes people to not think they're useless. It's not like you're mm-hmm. in the waiting room for for the uh, mech parts. You're like, okay, but I am getting something out of this, yeah. and so you're more excited about the mm-hmm. narrative part. I think it definitely encourages the more crunchy, min-maxi type characters to it, invest into RP, you it, know? It, it's doing the same thing that... Um, what was it called in Exalted? Uh... Stunting? Yeah, intimacies. <laughs> Stunting. <laughs> oh, but that too. It's doing the same thing that intimacies were doing in Exalted, where it gives a mechanical benefit and incentive to roleplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's honestly the reason that uh, it's good. You're really high on bonds, even for not for outside of uh, Lancer. Uh, and that's partly because you're like... I'm a min-maxer. Yeah. Trust me. I have played three missions with Bond so far, and I have hit almost every single one of my triggers every <laughs> single mission because I am a dirty min-maxer, yeah. and I need that in my soul to get those sweet experience points. I know my myself as a person loves having those narrative tools, um, and even from the GM perspective, I love systems that give players tools to inject things into the narrative of, you know, my character knows this or Dinko is here. Yeah. <laughs> Just giving players like cool, fun things that they it's can an ability. use and abilities yeah. to interact with the world in ways that like the GM almost doesn't get to interact with. Like these are sacred things that 
the player tells you are happening are wonderful for narrative systems. Oh, yeah. they are phenomenal. Like it yeah. is, it is such a special tool to be able to, and it co- comes back to to the idea that uh, tabletop RPGs are ultimately a game of collaborative storytelling. A lot of RPGs are like the GM presents a situation, the players react, and these kind of tools give the opposite, where the players present a situation, namely their use of the ability, and the GM has to react. And it's very interesting in how that interacts with people. Yeah. I Yeah, I just... I'm also thinking about, like, things like this bond and, like, abilities that give mechanical benefit for a role-playing. I feel it's also very useful for new players. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're new to RPGs in general, like tabletop RPGs in general... Yeah. A, a, like a system like this or a mechanic like this gives you a clear-cut idea of how to act. So it's like when you decide, it's like, I have this playbook, I have these triggers, you know it's like, well, that's the kind of person this character is, so you know how to play, you know, pretend to be that character. It is fun to have the abilities, though. Yeah. Is, I kind so of the, I, I just yeah. I just keep getting back to that in the narrative aspect of it, just having the fun abilities as a pilot Rather than all the crazy cool stuff you get as a mech, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, again, like in mech combat, it's used differently. I think again, the 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 KTV stuff, the Bond stuff, is an excellent spice for the narrative aspects, which were a little bit bland, um, yeah. but playable beforehand. Mm-hmm. And the mechanical aspects have always been spicy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, for the game. Now both aspects, the narrative and the combat, especially since they are clearly delineated, mm-hmm. both parts feel spicy. Mm-hmm. In it, a good way. Yeah, in a good way. <laughs> it, it, it really does like help balance out that inequity of yeah. what Caleb was yeah. saying. It's like mech combat waiting simulator, uh, where now I'm so excited to do narrative stuff yeah. because it's like, yeah, I can do narrative because my character can punch through a wall, and there's nothing that Santi can do about that. Yeah, I can just so do it. And that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's, it's like, I know I'm going back to uh, Spire, but just that ability that my character has to just be able to be anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, you describe a scene, oh yeah, Dinko's there. <laughs> yeah. It's just so fun. Uh, I can't just say no. It's yeah, just an ability where you can't say no. Yeah. It's yeah, and I feel like again, as Santi was saying, it's it makes uh, the GM play the improv game as much as the players. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it it includes a thing that is what I have found to be one of my favorite parts of like recent tabletop role playing like mechanics, yeah. which is just like narrative tools for players. I haven't seen a lot of that in the old school systems, and a lot of the new ones are including it, and I love it so much. If you're going to play Lancer, use KTB, because it makes it so much yeah, more fun. definitely something we recommend adding. I, speaking of that, mm-hmm. I'm usually not, I don't want to recommend to a lot of listeners uh, supplements and splash books as a necessity. And, until Most, you play the for, the full game. Okay. Yeah, unless yeah. they're really invested in the game. But right. in general, I don't like to recommend it because, like, if you're playing legitimately, there is a monetary cost to, oh, yeah, buy, to buying books and, uh, you know, things uh, of the like. Definitely. There is a nice thing with Lancer. It was, I believe, an originally a community-created thing that now the, the creators support. And mm-hmm. it's CompCon. CompCon links is... in the description. Yeah, yeah, links in the description. Links in the description. CompCon is what D&D Beyond wishes it was. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. Like, 100%. It, that is a great It is honestly said. the best supplement to any tabletop role-playing game I've ever seen. It is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It, it's an online tool... Uh, for it, it has a compendium, so you can look up, you know, all the licenses, all the talents, all the all the rules. all the bonds, mm. all the rules, or the if core you just bonuses. Think about it design wise, like the UI is just so easy and yeah. nice to use. Yeah. It makes playing the game very seamless, even yeah. going on missions. Yeah, and then it also has like a character creator and an NPC creator and a mission creator that and you can use. Mission runner and an yeah. encounter runner and an encounter builder. And all yeah. this is free. Yeah, and it's free to use. And it's the, yeah, as they were saying, the best supplemental tool. And you, 
uh, the creators, like when they release KTB, they release the PDF, which people can buy and read uh, the book, but then they also release uh, what they call LCP data, which is just the a, a thing you can download for free and uh, add it to your CompCon to get access to all the new stuff from the new books they printed. All the yeah. new player stuff. Yeah, all, all the, the new, new player, player stuff, stuff yeah. specifically. But it's still, like, because of this, it's like, honestly, adding things like the, uh, uh, the bonds really doesn't come uh, at a cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, there are some GM mechanics and, uh, and help uh, that is behind the paywall, but and even that, it's I not mean, a it's big monetary. Deal. I, I would say yeah, it's oh, worth definitely. it. It's a worth it and like, purchase. Even if it's just you and your play group, like you and four or three or four other friends, or even mm-hmm. less, or even more, like you all just chip in, like you know, ten to, ten to ten fifteen bucks, and then you get one copy of it for the GM, and then the rest is all available to everybody. Yeah, yeah. To through mm-hmm. CompCon or it, whatever, it, it is a very friendly system. Because only one person really needs the rules, right? They want people to play it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I was, you said fifteen dollars uh, each. I think it's a lot less than that. I think yeah, KTB's thirty dollars. I think it's twenty five. Well, I, I'm 25. thinking about like the the core rule book and yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah, and for like yeah. all the stuff yeah. you'd be playing. With. Yeah, it's like ten fifteen each. Yeah, yeah. at that point, but yeah, very very much worth it. Pretty low overhead, like. If we're comparing it to D&D Beyond, <laughs> if you're a GM, and as a person who has GM'd D&D and owns a lot of the books, like... Most of them. A yeah. D&D Beyond subscription that lets you share your books for all of your players costs more than buying every single Lancer book yeah. straight up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, and D&D Beyond is the supplemental tool. It's not yeah, like yeah. buying the books. This is like the supplemental tool is free. CompCon is free to use. And it's great. And yeah. it gets, keeps getting updated. There's cloud saving. There's It's it's great. Yeah, make sure yeah. to back up your character just in case, though. Yeah, they have changed how their cloud saving works once that messed up some people who had... I think it was literally cloud. just me and Ennis in a campaign of, like, 40 people. No, there's one more person. One other person? <laughs> okay. There was three <laughs> people in a campaign of 30. 10%. <laughs> okay. <But> yeah, <laughs> 10% if, failure rate. If, if you think about it, like, I don't know, 15 bucks for hours of enjoyment is such a good deal. <laughs> I, I feel like that's the case with a lot of tabletop RPGs. We, we yeah. rarely talk about the monetary aspect, yeah. but I feel like, honestly, tabletop RPGs, in a way, can be the cheapest way to enjoy any game. Yeah. I mean, Just it's... like if you compare hours of in- entertainment to dollar value. Until you start getting into miniatures, friends. Yeah. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. Miniatures. No, no, no. Theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. <laughs> no, but miniatures will absolutely crash Here's that economy the, yeah. to the ground. It, it, they do, cost. but there's also cheap ways to play not theater of the mind. No, that, that is, you could that just is get fair. Like a, uh, you know, I mean, in our wishfully campaign, yeah. we use like rocks yeah we did use rocks we use we use mostly things that we can get in a dollar store and that that gives me such like playing with your friends in middle school vibes (laughs) like yeah we just found cool rocks that we use (laughs) and we fully did that last week so so speaking of uh, of this for lancer the way we typically play is online over tabletop simulator which i really enjoy that way of playing lancer yeah but there's also the question of, is it a really crunchy, wargamey system? Mm-hmm. How do we feel about it, like, in person and not over, like, virtual, where we I have think, a lot more control? I think it's stuff? fine, to be fair. I think, like, obviously this is not a theater of the mind yeah. uh, type of game at all. Yes. Like, it's very crunchy. It's a hex-based uh, grid system, and... Like, there's so many numbers and things you need to calculate and ranges and areas that mm-hmm. you do need a visual representation of to be able to actually interact with the game and play it properly. It's I would I would argue it's the same technical hurdles as other war games like Warhammer 40k, yeah. where technically 
the like if you want to play with other people like in competitive like in Warhammer I'm speaking specifically sure. Warhammer if you want to play competitive Warhammer you do have to have the official miniatures and they right. have to be correct to the spec so that they can be accepted and if you already have that kind of like I'm going to call it infrastructure but if you already have the miniatures and you already have the measuring tools from a war game then transitioning into Lancer is super easy because yeah. you already have miniatures to kind of represent everything. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I don't really like Lancer in person unless we had miniatures and terrain yeah. and all the tools because part of what I like about it is being able to see it. Like it's a like yeah. if it were if it were a theater of the mind game, I wouldn't mind. But because it is such a tactile game, I want to have that, like, I want to be able to touch the terrain. I want to be able to see the miniature. I don't want to have to think about what the miniature looks like. Yeah, it. it I agree. I think when we do it over a tabletop, it is really cool to see the, the quote-unquote battle sets of, yeah. you know, like the big structures and seeing your mech and, like, moving it along. I really like that. I think... If you were just to do it with a like whiteboard sheet with a hex grid, that could work, it, and you can draw it out, yeah. and it it'll be fine. I think it would benefit definitely from yeah. like actual yeah. uh, I miniatures mean, and yeah. terrains. That's kind of what we did because we're all used to playing uh, uh, using tabletop simulator online. Uh, tabletop simulator is a is a Game software, on Steam. Yeah, game yeah. on Steam. It's more software than a game. Yeah. Right. Links in yeah. the description. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we but give any. we were, for the most part, because Santa's <laughs> campaign, he uses Tabletop Simulator, used to playing with Tabletop Simulator. We did run a one-shot for Lancer, and uh, for that we played in person. Uh, I had recently bought a hex sheet, so we used that, and we used markers. It was, like, uh, marker-friendly, so we used markers for the terrain and stuff. And I, I found that that was not... That looked less cool than the terrain, but I it was not any less fun or interesting to play than when we had terrains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just something to note, if you are going to play Lancer in person, I would really take some time to think about how you want to do the visual element for mech combat, because having yeah. at least some style of visual aid is going to be really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, and I'm, if I was going to do it in person, what I'd probably do is if we had some sort of like TV or screen that I could set up and yeah. have like a virtual simulator just there and moving everyone inside. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Cause of I, things like cover and stuff. That yeah. Really matter I, I think that. it's straight up. Honestly, I think uh mech combat is straight up unplayable without, Visuals. Physical yeah, it's yeah. unplayable in theater of the mind. You have yeah. to be able to measure how much distance there is between you and enemies. Unless you want to fudge movement. everything, <laughs> you're like, yeah, and that's like, within twenty five. We'll say that uh, the blast because uh, we talked about this. The combat mechanics are not crunchy. The dice are very simple. Mm -hmm. They're not crunchy in that way, but they are very crunchy and they're very, very tight. Mm -hmm. They're very. Specific. They're, They're very succinct. specific. They're yeah. not very error prone. Honestly, like even if you compare to uh, other uh, systems, there's no conflicting. Uh, there's not mechanics. a lot of gray areas. There's I'd no. Say. Yeah, there are no gray areas. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And when you introduce theater of the mind, you're introducing gray areas to a system that doesn't have any. Yeah. Uh, which is why I think it's straight up unplayable theater of the mind. You have to have. That's fair measuring and uh and like piece and representations of your character and the terrain in some way yeah whether it be like a, on a sheet with a whiteboard or uh you know projecting it up in a screen and using the one mouse to move everyone or playing online and using tabletop simulator i think it's a must to have representations for the characters and terrain yeah with that in mind i believe we have a section of the podcast coming up that we have started called Questions for the rest. Nice. This time I've got the questions, and my questions are not as good as Caleb's. <laughs> <laughs> but not... 
But hopefully we'll spend yeah. less time answering them. <laughs> so my first question is, we've played it. Uh, most of us are used to playing it, the uh, Lancer West Marches, which is like, you know, people get together, pick a mission on a mission board, uh, go out on that mission. Do you think you like the uh, campaign better, the game better as a campaign, a full campaign with the same crew or West Marches style? You can. Okay. I I really love the West Marches style. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. However, stop. <laughs> However, I think that I would really enjoy a full campaign of this. Mm-hmm. The only reason I say that is because when I was uh, going through the rule book and reading and kind of delving into the story and a lot more mm-hmm. of the mechanics, I kind of realized that I would love to run a full campaign with a story, um, you know, start to finish pretty, you know, succinct. Uh, I, I think I would love to run something like that. I think it lends mm-hmm. itself decently well to that, especially with things like downtime and stuff like that. So I think it would be very cool. I think I would prefer that more. Yeah. 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 I, uh, similar, I love both. Uh, I, I think the West March's style is super cool. And I think it really lends itself to that kind of game where you have players of different skill levels and of different experience levels interacting with each other. And like that mission that I had where I was on a team with a bunch of rookies, it's like, I, I've done missions with all of the super experienced people, but leading a team of rookies was such a weird and ex- unusual experience. So I think I would prefer the West March's style for this, just because it's so cool and unique, and I think Lancer works really well for it. But I also think Lancer would be a great, like, 10 to 20 session, like, short, tight campaign. It would be so beautiful. It would be chef's kiss. But until I see it, I'm going to stick with West Marches. Yeah, that's fair. I have no strong... No. Um, uh, would I prefer... I, as the person running the West Marches campaign bit, and also somebody who... The more I play tabletops in general, uh, the more I, I kind of, like, see certain systems in certain ways. And for me, as much as I would I would be capable and might even enjoy running a traditional campaign of Lancer, I have invested so much mental energy into <laughs> West Marches that uh, I am... Uh, I, I don't remember what it's called. It's a logical fallacy where you've invested so much, but... Right, uh, the gambler's fallacy. The gambler's fallacy. Uh, I've already invested so much in West Marches. I... I can't afford to go to the traditional. Uh, I'm all in. I'm sorry. All right, there you have it. West Marches wins. Hope you have a lot of friends, dear listeners. To, to be to be fair, like I do really like the West Marches style, <laughs> and like there is some aspects obviously that you can enjoy that Chris said. Um, but yeah, I think I still do prefer. Yeah. I would prefer trying it at least mm-hmm. and just seeing. I, I don't think it would do well for a really long campaign. No, I agree. Because no, you want players to be able to, like, change out character builds on a relatively higher frequency, which I think West Marchers does a lot better than a really traditional long-term campaign would. Definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. I think it might be sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost, sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I knew I fucked it up. The cost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our, our second <laughs> new segment, the, your the corrections, psych- yeah, your yeah. psychology tidbit of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling I was wrong. <laughs> okay, question number two. We kind of touched on this, but would you play a campaign? Let, let's say the ten to twenty session campaign in person. Why or why not? God, no. Already stated why. Done. Next. Uh, I think I, I would, but if I was GMing it, I would put a lot of work up front to like build maps and have a really good system for that. And if I solved that, it would be a great time. Yeah, I, That's exactly my answer. If, if I could, I would want to prepare a lot for the terrains and 
all of that before even thinking about doing something like that. But yes, I would. It would be a lot of work as a GM or whoever is GMing. Yeah. I guess I, I can change my answer here a little bit. I would also want to do all that. And because I would want to do all that, I know my answer is no. Yeah, fair. Okay. Because I would have to player. Would want. As a player, yeah. As a player. <sighs> if I were to set up them. I'd give it a shot. Yeah. I'd give it a shot. Two sessions, then he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said it needed a higher turnover rate, right? Uh, all right, <laughs> question three. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, question three. Uh, two of you have GM'd this, so we'll start with the one that hasn't. That's you, mm-hmm. Chris. On a scale of one to ten, how hard, how difficult is it to GM Lancer compared to other systems? Do you think? Yeah, how does it seem? Why or why? why? For Wait, me, this, this why or why not? <laughs> <laughs> just my first language. Why, why or why not? On a scale of one to ten, why or why not? I, for me, I would give it a three, and that's just because I Ooh. come from a background of adoring tactical RPGs. So the combat for me, from the GM perspective, would be so much fun to run, and just the fact that it would energize me so much to like, make those things and destroy my players, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah, I think I would probably... I would kind of agree, I think, the thing, like, three or four. I, I feel like it's pretty, pretty low effort in terms of GM. Obviously, you gotta figure out, you know, challenge ratings and all that sort of <laughs> stuff for, you know, any sort of combat you're running. But I think it is pretty tight in that aspect as well. I don't, I don't think it's too crazy. For me, the combat itself, the mechanical combat, the mech combat, I would go in line like a three, a four, sometimes maybe a two, depending on the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Uh, The narrative part, before the supplement, and even with the supplement, I would would actually label five or six, Mm -hmm. simply because Lancer is so unique in the way that it handles the paradigm between the players and the GM. As I alluded to earlier, there's that whole bit where it's like different skill triggers can apply to the same scenario in different ways. And in the rulebook and in the community, the GM does not say or shouldn't say, I still do it and that's why I struggle with it, shouldn't say, can I have a spot check from you? Rather... The GM asks what you're doing. The and player responds with, I am doing this thing. And then the GM says, that to me sounds like you're trying to do a blank check. And and that kind of back and forth is what is difficult to transition to from multiple RPGs where it's like the GM tells you, roll Arcana. Or yeah, you got to train your players yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Which is why I would say the narrative aspect is there's a lot of training yourself and training the players. Yeah. And I would say that's a little harder than the combat. The combat running is fairly smooth. Yeah. Fairly I, I think I'm the opposite. Yeah. You know, I think I think the combat is... I think that's from my inexperience, though, is mm-hmm. just not super experienced in designing combats. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I found a little more challenge. But I think that narrative aspect... Obviously, everything we're saying is... Subjective. Yeah, I, I was gonna say it's very subjective because yeah. I I line up with you in other games, Caleb, where I find the uh, setting up combats harder than uh, setting up uh, narrative scenes. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, it's a good fifty fifty yeah. in the room. <laughs> there we go. Next question: What is your opinion on the narrative of NHPs? Because of the all the setting aspects and the setting lore, I find it the most interesting to explore, yet the most difficult to understand. So, thoughts? Um, well, to give some context, in the standard setting of Lancer, there are AIs, they're rudimentary, and they're known as compcons, and And they're just very basic AIs. But there are hyper-advanced AIs known as NHPs, uh, otherwise known as non-human persons, which kind of clues you into kind of their narrative foothold in the setting. Uh, They are technically people. They're just not human. So that kind of brings into question a lot of themes about how how did you get in possession of this non-human person? Why do they 
you know, follow your orders, etc. I love the narrative of non-human persons. I think it's, it is intrinsically interesting to me. They are all bastards. I hate them, and I'm going to wipe them off the face of the galaxy. Next question. <laughs> I guess next question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next question is the most pivotal answer question. Gun? Gun. 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 Okay. That's it for the section. <laughs> Alright, I guess I'm just not going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's hear your NHP Well, answer. I just... Uh, I kind of think of NHP's... Um, and I might be wrong. This might be a wrong interpretation, but... I think of them similarly to, I guess, less intense versions of AI in uh, Eclipse Phase. Okay, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think it's neat. Sure, we'll go with that. I think it's neat. It's real neato. I so I I do want to talk a little bit about the standard setting. Yeah. Of uh, Lancer. Yeah. Because I do think it is very neat. Mm-hmm. A neat world that it sets up. Mm-hmm. And just from reading through it, I think it's it's both pretty detailed, but also gives enough room for GMs to create a story within it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in our West Marches style, Sandy's decided to completely abandon the <laughs> the main story, which is fine. And like, I like the world that you've created. Um, but if you want to create a narrative within that, there's more than enough room to do that as well. Yeah. There's one part Can about you? the yeah, standard sorry. setting mm. that is distinct from the my campaign. In the standard setting of Lancer, most campaigns of Lancer take place on one planet. Mm. They they stay on that one planet because travel between planets takes a very long time. Um, used to. Used to. Yeah. I was going to ask if you can give us a quick overview. I am the type of player, this is Alan myself, anything that is not on CompCon, I have not, basically not read. Like, Same. Maybe Same like, until I started running the yeah, one Until shot. you jammed the, yeah. the one shot. And so you've looked at the actual PDF mm-hmm. of the book. Give us like a brief overview. Brief overview is we are... <laughs> okay, so the very beginning is... Our world, right? Earth? Earth. Everything descends into chaos, you know, whether it be environmental disaster, man-made disaster, whatever. Population goes down to 150,000 and then slowly starts to rebuild. Um, Before that, Mm -hmm. people kind of see the writing on the wall. They send out 10 colony ships Mm -hmm. throughout the stars to try to be humanity's last saving grace to so they don't die out on earth yeah finding other inhabitable planets habitable yeah yeah and uh what happens is eventually humanity all but dies out um eventually things get back up you know society builds back up to levels comparable to today Mm -hmm. and then they find like these vaults left by the uh previous civilization mm-hmm. that give them all these technological advances uh, because it's similar to today. Mm-hmm. People want to use that for power. They're a big war mm-hmm. called the little wars because in the grand scheme of things don't really matter too much. And they develop uh, travel that's faster than what the, the colony ships had. So the colony ships, some of them take thousands of years to get there. Mm-hmm. It's really funny because um, the new uh, government, I forget what it's called. What's it called? I want to say it's called the Union. And that's the Union. Why I, that's, yeah, why I, that's why I called right. the Union in my, that's why I called the old government in my <laughs> setting the Athelian Union. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to connect it that way. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, union, the Union ships are a lot faster so it's really funny because a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the situations in the story are the union's already been there and they and these colony ships have been you know on a long, on, yeah exactly on a long journey through several millennia to get there and it's just like oh yeah we've been here dog <laughs> and so there's a little bit of combat there and all that stuff and yeah. that's basically where we're at is the union's this sort of utopia society space faring. Utopia in the way that 
like things like currency aren't really a thing and you mm. don't really need to worry about anything like that. It's mm. more your reputation that matters okay. and whatever you want to do is fine. It's yeah. sort of like a communist style government yeah. in sense of, and everybody's okay with like perfect communism sort of yeah. thing. Mm. Ideal. Yeah. Ideal. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And th- that that's pretty much it, you know, and then. And we have these colonists coming in trying to steal, steal our planets that we've had for 10 years. Where were you? Yeah, exactly. And there's there's a bunch of other stuff, like, sprinkled in there. But that's yeah. basically the setting of where you start from. Is... Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Gun. 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 Is there anything else we want to mention before you kind of close up here? I will say it's interesting. I've recently learned that uh, the game has a fixed progression rate. Like the same way Exalted did, and it's also the second game that has yeah. a mechanical incentive for uh, narrative role playing. Same way Exalted did. Yeah. Coincidence? <laughs> we'll cover that in a future podcast. <laughs> the conspiracy theories of tabletop <laughs> RPGs. I'm gonna bring my red string. Pepe <laughs> Silly. <laughs> right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Table Topics Podcast. As always, I've been Caleb. I've been Ennis. I'm Christian. I'm Santiago. And uh, we have pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry. Play Lancer. We're going to eat pizza now. Uh,